On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am Michael Braithwaite, one of your hosts from Blue Door. And as always, wait a second, not as always, who is that on the screen? It is not Steph, but we are joined once again by my friend at Blue Door and my colleague, Meg. Meg, how's it going? I'm doing good, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to step in again for Steph and excited for today's episode. Hey, you're not stepping in. You are stepping up. Meg, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love movies. I love films. I just, I think that, you know, there's no other more powerful form of telling stories. Um, I, I enjoy them. I've always been a bit of a movie buff. And, you know, uh, at Blue Door, as you're quite aware, as our marketing communications person, uh, stories are so powerful in getting that message out and getting people to understand uh, what, homelessness looks like, what it feels like, um, and getting people involved in the solution, don't you think? Yes, definitely. Storytelling is a huge part of our lives in general, and I think it's such a powerful way to understand each other. And that being said, it, it really relates to today's episode, so why don't you tell us a bit about who our lovely guests are for today? Absolutely. I'm excited about today's podcast. Uh, first of all, we have Karen Mungren. Uh, who is a participant in the documentary film, Us and Them, which we're going to talk about today, too, and uh, was experiencing homelessness on Canada streets for 20 years. She's been housed for several years now and has been working with Us and Them producer Crystal Outen on her new film about their 15-year friendship. And speaking of that friend, we also are joined by Crystal Outen, uh, who's a documentary filmmaker whose work revolves around the issues of homelessness and addiction. She participates in her first feature film, Us and Them, and is also the producer, co-director, and co-writer. The film spans over 10 years while Loudon befriends four homeless people in an attempt to help them, but in the end, they end up helping her. Uh, not surprising. She has spent the last 18 months shooting a new film about a homeless encampment. Excited to hear more about that. Uh, her lens was attracted to a neighborhood association who stepped up to help the unhoused campers in their local park when the government failed to respond during the pandemic. Please welcome 
Karen and Krista, welcome to the show. Thank you. We ask this question to everyone who comes on the show. So what we'll do is we'll start with Karen with this question, then we'll move to you, Krista. So it's a pretty simple question, but different for everyone. What does home mean to you? What does home mean to you? Oh. Well, home means, like, you know, when I moved away from where I was, when I moved into this apartment, well, first I didn't like it. But I like it because it's home to me now. And that I got my Krista here with me. I call her sister. And like, if I need help or stuff like that, she helps me a lot. She's the only person I could go to. And there's another person. She's not homeless, but she needs help. So I try to help her at home. She's in the same building as I do. And like me and her and Krista, sometimes I talk to Krista if I have a problem. And that woman's got a real problem. She's trying to, you know do things different way about her life and stuff like that and I'm trying to get her out of it. So I have to stay home and like, you know, look after her, talk to her and be beside her most of the time. But now she's in the hospital, so I'm okay without that. So home is a home because I got Krista and my friends with me. That's like, you know, staying sober. Awesome. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. And I think home is, it's safety and security, a place where you can be, a place where there's warmth and comfort. I've learned a lot more about the, the idea of home from indigenous friends that I've met along the way on this path. And home in, a, in an indigenous perspective is much more than bricks and mortar walls it's much more than a, than a dwelling it's about connection and relationship and family um the land it's it's more you know it's about i i did some work with with jesse thistle we interviewed him before the pandemic for something i was working on and we talked about it a lot and it's about like it's not about housing people it's about homing people so it's a feeling more than just a bricks and mortar dwelling so it's that you know sense of comfort and belonging and like i know with karen like when you moved into the place you're in right now in the very beginning she kept going back out even though she had a house or a roof over her head she kept going back out to the street to just be with her friends because that's that's where her, the heart of her home was. Like her home and her heart was still outside. But then that kind of, that changed after a while and as you settled into where you are. Not really. No? Sometimes when I get mad at my, you know, the family that I got at home, which I call home, I just, like, you know, feel like packing up and just go straight back out to see, be with my street family out there. And they usually sit down with me like, a, like you know who I'm talking about, Jamie and them, Paul. Yeah. They'll sit down and talk to me. It's not to go out there. You're too old for that nowadays. You can't you can make it out anymore and this and that. So that changes me quickly. But that's where your family is. That's where like my family is outside. So still. That that's, and so you're drawn to that. Yeah. So 
God in the sense is home too, right? It is. Like it's kind of hard for me to like you know to look at them. Every time I go to town, I see them sitting. You know where the, the, the cubby hole by the basement. Right? I, of course, I see them talk to them. I got a little bit of something. I give it to them. And when I get home, I feel so sad. I wanted to go back with them again. And some of them usually tells me, "Mom, just come home. Just come back with us. Like, show us the rope. Like, you know, like what I did outside all of these years with my husband, big husband, and I. They want me to show them my dad ropes." But I told them I couldn't do it because, like, my arthritis is not good for the winter and everything. So I just got to be where I am right now. I'm still trying to move out of that hellhole. That's what I call it. They moved me to a little two by four building. <laughs> it's a small one bedroom apartment, but you're inside, you know. But I, I, if I hear you both correctly, you know, home is really where your family is, right? Where your family and friends are. So home can be, it's not as. Chrissy, you were saying it's not about those bricks and mortar walls. It's where the people are. So thank you both for that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Krista, a few years back, you produced and created the moving film, Us and Them. So for those of us who have, may not have seen it, can you tell us a little bit about the film and what inspired you to make it? Um, yeah, it's a, uh, well, the film is about my experience befriending four people, four um, chronically homeless people. And like it was mentioned in my bio, they, you know, I reached out to try to help them, but they ended up helping me. So I didn't set out to make the film that I created. It's just how it evolved. And I think that's why it spans over 10 years. And I think that's why it took so long to do because it was really real. Like once I entered into those worlds and created relationships with these four people who I don't know it was it was an we really cared about each other we really had strong connections between each other and then um, sadly one passed away and and my in filmmaking like if you're writing a, a fiction film uh, a main character will have an unconscious desire and a conscious desire or an inner and an outer need and really screenwriters are trying to base things on reality and I think that's actually what happened to me like my my conscious desire my outer need was to try to help the homeless but my unconscious desire or my inner need was to help myself and that came up while I was making the film and I had to go and deal with that so um yeah and they just so that's what happens in the film and the inspiration for it was i think that my my dad was in international development he was a university prof and then started working doing curriculum curriculum development at universities overseas and when i was about 18 or 19 i went to go visit him in harare zimbabwe where he was working on a project and i was I grew up in Brandon, Manitoba, and I had never seen poverty like I saw there. 80% of the population were sleeping on dirt floors every night, and I always wanted to go back to Africa to try to help, but life just didn't take me there. And I realized eventually, you know, I don't need to go back to Africa to help people, I just need to go downtown. So without any experience of homelessness or ever being 
even I had never even stepped foot in a drop-in center. I just went and started looking for people that were suffering the most in my own community, and I wanted to make a film about it. I was all it was always about making a film about it. So that's how that was the inspiration and how it began. But there was a big evolution from there. And Karen, you are one of the four people featured in the film. Can you share with us how this came about and what your experience was and how you felt seeing your story shared on the big screen? Yes. Well, I was a heavy drinker. I've always been with the since I was a little girl. I used to lose to my family and this and that. I got married and my husband and I moved down here. When we were drinking, we were pan panders. We panhandled to make our money for booze and for something to eat. Mostly for booze, I think, because we got all the street families with us. And when I lost him, I don't know, I just, I met Krista. And the first time I met her, I didn't even know her. And I told her, I love your sister. And that's when we started making a film. I'm still breathing with my husband, but I'm, I can't get away from it. I'm trying to. That's why when sometimes I get mad, I want to just go back out and do things that I used to do. But I can't, but now, like, I don't, I don't mind about this film. As long as people, like, you know, see what's going on, what had went on with me in the future, when the, the movie that we're making, maybe they'll get their minds into it and start thinking about what's the years coming back to them. And, like, you know, to, to me, I, hope, I just hope, really hope they think the positive way to stop doing what they're doing right now. Because it's kind of cold out there. It's like kind of it is. In the wintertime, we don't get snow, just get rains all the time. But you know, they can get sick right away and go back to the hospital. I've been there. I had a bad pneumonia. First time, I just about died. But lucky I had a friend that survived me. And I still, you know, love that dance of the day. Anyway, like, I don't know. It's up to them how they feel about watching the other movies that we're making. I know a lot of people really thank me for what I've been doing. I'm really proud of that. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. 
Karen, how has, how has the movie impacted your life? So it's been a number of years since it's come out, since you've seen yourself larger than life on it's the big screen. It's hard for me to look at it. When I, like, I didn't mind making it with her, being on that movie. But when I watch it, like, I don't know. I just tell Chris, I don't want to watch it. I just want to be outside. Like when she's showing the film. It's still sad for me. Because it makes me think of what I went through. Now my life's changing. Like, and like I, it feels like I really do want to go back out, but when I'm home alone, I pray, tell help him, uh, praying to God to help me not to go back out there. Being what I went through. And you know what? That helps me a lot. But, I don't know. It's just, like, I don't mind making film with her, but to tell you the truth, I don't like watching that movie. Mm-hmm. It just makes me so sad. We Karen oh. came to a lot of screenings, and we just stopped. Like, we would go and we'd introduce the film, and then we would go and we'd leave the theater and then come back with the Q&A. But she always loved to pop her head back in at her big joke at the end. <laughs> There's a really funny joke at the end where she uh, she says, I don't want to spoil an alert for people who haven't seen it, but remember, you'd always want to pop your head back into the jokes, right? <laughs> but it is pretty, I mean, it's a pretty, it's real. Like, yeah. Elda, one of the other characters, when we were making it, always used to say, like, I don't want to sugarcoat this. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. Like, it needs to be real. So we were all very open about our experiences. So, um yeah, it, you don't need to be reminded of it, and it yeah. always worried me that we'd be. But we didn't want to. I didn't want to re-traumatize Karen by having. Like, we don't need to watch it over and over again. No, I watch it once. Well, and you being brave enough to share your story, as painful like looking back is probably the most painful and you know challenging times in your life. You've made a huge impact uh, on a lot of people, and and, and this film has been very impactful. Um, to uh, to so to thousands who have seen it, uh, Kristen, why would you think that it's stuck with people so long after they've seen it? It's a very powerful story. Well, I think it it's it's really real, uh, and it's also we we lose the audience is, gets very connected to the the unhoused people on screen because they're all just really great people that have ended up in severe poverty and i think that the audience um really connects with everyone and then we lose people right and so by the time and then also um, Gabor Mate, you know, questions me about my need to relieve pain in the world. And when when my childhood experiences come up on screen, I think the housed audience members that are watching it, like everybody can relate to that because none of us get through childhood with in a perfect way, or very few of us do. We could all, I think, as people watch me talking about what happened during my childhood and what created the issues with depression that I had to work with, the audience will be reflecting on their own. And then when we come back and say, you know, we're the same, it's just that 
my unhoused friends have suffered more. And then Demelda corrects me on that so eloquently and beautifully. You know, um, hell is hell. We all have our own versions of hell. So she doesn't let me slip away from, like, she validates my pain, even though it's not the same as hers. She wouldn't, she didn't let me say that. It just makes sense. But, um, and I think then people really do, are really feeling emotional and then are able to connect with the unhoused in a way that they never have before. So when the lights come up, people are just like, whoa, I had no idea. And, and people really do. And this is what I wanted to achieve in the edit suite. It was, um, you know, I wanted people to leave the theater and not look at an unhoused person the same way again. And it, and we achieved that. I also had very skilled filmmakers working with me because this was my first film. So the co-writer and co-director, uh, Jennifer Abbott, she brought a lot to the table in terms of skill and filmmaking skill. And we had a, a skilled camera operator, a DP. Like there was a lot of good people around me that helped make it what it is. And I, you know, I, I just wanted it to be as good as it could possibly be. So I poured in like all my heart, really, and what all the talent that I could possibly squeeze out of myself into it so that it would be what it is. It was more than a film to me, you know, it was a real, it, it be turned into my life. If my life and this movie were, were the same. So, um, I think that because of that, there's just something really special, even just in the energy of the whole production too. And the people like Karen, I mean, everybody wants to know how Karen and Eddie are doing after they watch it. I think they just like, you know, people's hearts open up to you and they want to know that you're, you're doing better. You yeah. know, people just really begin to care. And as you, as you said, Krista, the film spans over 10 years and in your bio, you talk about starting this film with the thought of helping these four individuals. And then in the end, they end up helping you. So I'm wondering if you can expand on this statement and just talk about that a little bit more for our listeners. Well, yeah, again, without spoiler alerting too much, like it just, I guess, as I got closer to people and as the situation got a lot more intense, like I was, you know, kind of in over my head when the, the first person passed away and I, uh, you know, I had to really look at what my motivations were, which um, Dr. Gabor Mate points out to me. But without having endeavored on this or tried to help, my four friends, sister, <laughs> brothers and sisters, um, I wouldn't have looked at that. I wouldn't have, have, have explored that. And then when I open up to them afterwards about my issues with depression and struggling with depression, they just offer me such wisdom and love. They're, you know, Eddie says, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you talk about it? And Danelle that just gives me some beautiful advice at, at the end. You know, well, it's either a breakdown or a breakthrough and how she's cheering me on. And they just really, they really support me. And, um, I mean, that is one thing that I think a lot of documentary filmmakers or social workers wouldn't do. They don't open up with their clients. You know, there's even a different way. Like I think of them as, you know, Karen is my sister. She's not my subject. She's not my client. I'm not that, 
or if I eat it's different. And that really, it's not supposed to be done that way, but I did it that way. And I think it, it really made us closer because they could tell me their struggles and I would tell them my struggles. And I tell you, when I would tell them my struggles, holy, the empathy coming off the ones that know what it's like, there's nothing like it. You know, they really supported me and really helped me. And, you know, 15 years later, we're still friends doing the same thing, right? We're still just friends supporting and, and helping each other. But without, as I said, endeavoring on this whole film, I wouldn't have been able to work through my depression in the way that I did. And to be able to take that pain and transmute it into something that is beneficial to my society so that my pain isn't wasted. Um, that's really important to me, too. I think if we can do that, um, and including people with lived experience in all these conversations and being able to take those lived experience experiences and use them for the greater good and for positive change, I'm really into that right now. Really, yes. really into that. Speaking Not that I have just supporting, supporting my friends with lived experience to to do, participate in advocacy work and social change. Definitely, you're you're working on a new film around encampments, something we've all heard more of over the past two years during the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit more about this new endeavor? Well, yeah, you see, with us and them, it, it's really about um, childhood trauma and how that relates to homelessness and addiction. But I felt like I wasn't finished with the topic because I didn't even begin to start talking about the systemic reasons behind homelessness, the um, disinvestment into social housing over the last 35 years, deinstitutionalization of mental health facilities, colonization kids aging out of care, all these other systemic reasons behind it of why people who are severely traumatized are the ones that are more susceptible to falling victim to the streets. And so I wanted to make a film about that. And I was in the process of doing that when the pandemic hit and everything changed when the pandemic hit where I am in BC, like the things that we thought were really important, like just housing, first of all, getting people, people's basic needs taken care of. And then other things like different ways of, of treatment or safe supply, helping people who, who are addicted, all of like safe supply started happening here too. And our provincial government um, bought or leased hotels and people were like, we had, I think we housed about 600 people almost in six weeks, don't quote me on that, there was, I think, at least 450 people in six weeks because of the pandemic got housed. So what the pandemic showed us is we can do this. You know, why haven't we been doing this? And also in BC, they opened up safe supply or safer supply. Um, you know, there's still problems with that. It's not accessible enough to people. We, that could be a whole other conversation, but that did start happening. And but at the same time, there was a lot of people who didn't want uh, people camping in the park. So there was a lot of backlash. There's a lot of community resistance. Some people might refer to it as nimbyism, not in my backyard. I try to be more 
you know, empathetic and open with people who are struggling with that, with the, with the community resistance, but it was pretty, those voices were pretty loud and, and, and it's really hard to get people their basic needs during the pandemic. Then I found a neighborhood association or crossed paths with a neighborhood association whose local park had been taken over by an encampment, I think 112 tents at its, at its peak. But the, they decided to reach in and help rather than, you know, uh, just, you know, really rallying against City Hall or threatening to withhold property taxes or all the various kinds of things that we've seen. The anger that we've seen about encampments and about um, the, t just taking over parks and just the issues, because there are a lot of issues that come along with that. I'm not naive about what happens there, but it's really challenging work. And this neighborhood stepped in to help and they started doing weekly meetings and they, they joined forces with, with the unhoused. And it was a really, it was a really amazing thing to see. So I just started filming that and that without that neighborhood association, things would have been a lot different for those campers. And they ended up setting up an interim encampment on a parking lot, the park that they were in flooded and they all were moved to a parking lot, but it was all, everything that happened with the government was all reactive. It was all because it, it had to happen. Right. And I happened to be there the day that it flooded and I filmed it so that it was, there was an, there's an embarrassment factor there. Right. And so this, this encampment was set up on a, on a parking lot and it was the best interim solution that I've ever seen to, encampments so that's what that that film is about and a lot of the uh, like it was it became self-managed there was a service provider there they got a warming tent the tents were set up on pallets with plywood on top so they were up off the ground um there was a, a red cross grant that the the neighborhood association had applied for like before this happened so that helped support some stipends for you know cleaning and doing work around it and it was actually like you know it wasn't perfect but it was a really good um you know basic model that i think other places across the country could use and in fact in 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 the beginning of december we're all getting back together we're going to regroup and debrief six months later and talk about what went wrong how we could have done better and we'll hopefully end up with a, a framework of running an emergency encampment when there's not enough shelter spaces or, or housing available for people. So that's what that's about. And lots of lived experience voices and lived experience voices doing advocacy work. So I'm really excited about it. It's a, it's um, good people, it's really it's a great experience to be part of. And we're looking forward to it. Um, and I'm going to ask you a little more about that, but I do want to, how many years, Chris, has it been since the, the film was released, Us and Them? It came out in 2016, so it's been five years. Been about five years. Okay, so Karen, it's been five years since that film came out. We couldn't stop, we couldn't end this podcast without knowing, how's it been going over the past five years? How are you doing now? I've been doing okay. Well, mostly I just stay home because of this COVID. I'm scared to go out. Nothing else to do, just stay home, watch TV, lay around, <laughs> talk on the phone with your friends. What's your favorite shows? NCIS. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
Awesome. Good choice. Good choice. Well, we're so happy and, and I want to thank you for sharing your story, having the courage to do that. Know that you changed lives. You've had impact. You create an empathy in the sector. When people see that story, uh, sometimes uh, we're asked, what does homelessness look like? And we say, it's not about a look, it's about a feeling. You convey that feeling. And, and Krista, you do this throughout the film so well uh, with these four uh, wonderful people. And I think it leaves people wanting to take action and to support you, leave them with hope. It's a film about hope. Um, so if people haven't seen this movie, where can they see us and them? And when can we look forward to the release of your new movie? Um, well, us and them is on. The only place you can watch it is Vimeo on demand. But you could go to the website, us and them. And it's all spelled out U-S-A-N-D-T-H-E-M, the film.ca. And there's a link there for watching at home to stream at home. Or you can go on to Vimeo on demand and, and search for it there. There's also still, we're still doing quite a number of community screenings. So if you go to the website, um, I need to update that, but I will. Um, and to see virtual screenings, different things that you could participate in, quite often we're involved in them as well. So check that out too. Um, and the next film, we're doing a, at the end of January, there's going to be a short film released. It's tentatively titled 940 Caledonia, which is the address of the parking lot where that encampment was set up. Um, and it's just above that. I'm working with the Victoria Coalition to End Homelessness. We're partnering on it, and it is really just about that encampment. And then the, there'll be a bigger, a longer film that I'm aiming for probably, you know, summer or fall 2022 for the longer one to come out. And we're still looking for a home for that. Um, hopefully we'll find a broadcaster or like, cause it would be really great to be able to have it um, on television or, you know, CBC Gem or something like that. So we're going to work really hard to do that, but it's also very competitive and hard to do. So we'll see what happens, but you know, you know, we can always just release it like we did with us and them, just have it be like a self-distributed piece. But yeah, we're working on all those, those moving parts right now. So thank within you, the Chris. year. Yes, thank, thank you. I know, I know we're, we'll be excited to see that short film and I want to encourage all our listeners to stay tuned for that and check out your website as well. And I want to thank you both, Krista and Karen, for joining us on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, Meg, um, listen, I, I watched us and them. I've watched it a few times. Uh, Krista was good enough a while back. Uh, we were actually on a panel together, and I said, if you can send me the link, it's been a while. So I rewatched it and was so glad that, that I did. So I encourage people, see this film. It will change your lives, the courage of, of these individuals. Uh, and and it, it is such a passion project. Watch this film. Be part of the solution and Meg I am so looking forward uh, to Chris's next film and, and hopefully people will go out and drove to see that as well because uh, she's so talented in, in sharing these powerful stories I totally agree I'm so excited to see the next film and it was such a pleasure to hear more about us and them such a great episode today yes and, and having Karen on too uh, to come back and talk with us. We always love having uh, the voices of lived experts like Karen on the show. So wonderful to have her here. Uh, Chris and Karen, two awesome people, 
making uh, impactful things happen. Another great episode of On the Way Home. Meg, we will see you next time. See See you next time. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.